Okay. Hey, everyone. I hope all is well. And again, thanks for listening. So in this episode, I want to try to briefly say a few words about the role and nature of ideology and uh, ideological thinking. Suffice it to say, there seems to be quite a bit of it going on in our contemporary world. And uh, to my mind, it's not always a positive thing. Now, that said, I'm well aware that even though it sometimes evokes strong feelings, not all ideology is actually negative. Actually, you know, before I continue, maybe I should provide a quick definition here. Okay, so this is what the OED says about ideology. It defines ideology as a set of ideas or beliefs that form a coherent worldview and which determine one's behavior. Okay, so if we don't dig too deep into this definition, I think you could argue that we all practice ideology in some basic way, in the sense that we all interpret or impose a pattern on political, social, or moral facts and then act on that basis. So, in this sense, ideology is just a way of interpreting or making sense of our environment. It's a way of mapping our world. Without it, it'd just be too hard to make sense of all the information out there that impresses itself upon us. So, in this way, ideology or ideological thinking is an important and maybe indispensable characteristic of our political and social life. But all this said, ideology, even though it helps us to make sense of things, that doesn't mean it always makes good sense of things. In other words, ideological thinking does have a problematic and a darker side. And that's what I want to try to say something about. Okay, so I think part of what's wrong with ideology is that what it often does is it strives to create a coherent and all-encompassing worldview. In other words, what ideological thinking does is it aspires towards totality. It promises answers to all questions, whether they're political or social or moral. But, like I said, there's something fundamentally misguided and disingenuous about this approach to things. What's misguided about it is that it's impossible to capture all of reality in one's view, and then, on top of that, to make it all coherent. Life's realities and particularities are just too many and too messy to do this. Maybe another way of putting all this is that, ultimately, the ideologue isn't really interested in a scientific knowledge of truth. But they're interested in a certain political or social ideal. And so because of this, in their assessment of things, they don't always include social facts in all of their ambiguity and complexity and kaleidoscopic configurations. Instead, in their drive to encompass and get answers and deliver verdicts, what they tend to do is synthesize reality. In other words, they arrange things so as to paint a picture that supports their ideal. A picture that's always in accordance with their own values, but not always in accordance with the social facts. They see things theoretically 
but not as they really are. As uh, Engels said, he said, A clear ideology is a deduction of a reality not from the reality itself, but from the imagination. Now, I mentioned a, a scientific knowledge of truth a moment ago. This distinction between science and ideology is important. I mean, think about what science does. Science questions everything. The scientist, she, she continually corrects her conclusions. She humbly amends her beliefs to, to fit newly discovered facts. She views her theories as hypotheses. And she tries to keep her emotions from bleeding into her theories. Well, can we really say the same about the ideologue? I mean, what the ideologue does is she often takes the premise she holds as absolute. She confuses her assumptions with her conclusions. Her thinking is often a priori. In other words, whereas science bases its beliefs on the best available evidence, the ideologue, well, she bases her beliefs on selected facts which will support her philosophical assumptions. She often only uses the evidence which is going to ratify her conclusions, conclusions of her own ideological principles. You know, maybe another way of characterizing this sort of ideological approach is to say that the ideologue holds her views as matters of faith. In other words, her beliefs are often rooted in faith, a faith that lies beyond the scope of reason. So, really, for the ideologue, there's a sort of religious reverence for certain beliefs and ideas. Therefore, in a way, then, you could say that a defining characteristic of ideology is dogmatism or a sense of certainty. Actually, Nietzsche certainly thought of ideologies along these lines. I mean, for him, ideologies are in, in a sense, substitute religions. That is, they are manifestations of a need for a set of authoritative, objective beliefs and normative practices. And so they have a certain salvational function to them, filling, well, the big God-shaped hole. Anyway, I said that a defining characteristic of ideology is dogmatism and certainty. And that's not hard to see. I mean, let's face it. One pretty obvious characteristic of someone holding to an ideology is this. You can pretty much predict what they're going to say on any issue, right? Given any set of circumstances, an ideologue will provide a so-called correct response as they see it. Now, what explains this? What explains the ideologue's certainty, their rigidity, and predictability of thinking? Well, it must be that to some extent, the ideology that they hold to is in possession of their thinking. They don't think their view. Their view thinks them. And so it's really the ideology or the program that's being run rather than the individual that does the thinking for them. Actually, this was certainly something like uh, Dostoevsky's view. I mean, in his remarkable book, The Devils or Demons, Dostoevsky describes ideas as infections. 
ideas infect their hosts. So, the characters in this novel, well, they don't really think and act. Rather, it's the ideas that think and act them. Thank you.